You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. And if this is your first time joining us here in the building, we want to get to know you better. We want to see how we can meet yours and your family's needs more better. And we just ask that you stop by the Welcome Center at any time um, throughout the service and fill out some information and you get to walk out of here with a free gift. So we have a couple of announcements to share with you this morning. Um, We are sending out an official invitation to all the church and we're asking for hands. We're asking for help, asking for you guys to join us on Saturday. And it's going to be this Saturday, October 8th, and we will be working in the junior high classroom. We are trying to get together, um, making efforts with whatever time that we have so that we can kick up this ministry. We're very excited about this ministry, and we're really looking forward to it. There is a heart, and there is a desire behind it, and we want to minister to this this group of teenagers. Um, we do have a, a special... Um, word that's ready to be delivered to them and all we need is their building so it is very very hard for all of us to do this on our own and I know Yanis has been coming over here and her family has been coming over here trying to get it together and just as all of us are very very busy so are they but it is up to us as children of God to make some time for him we need to make some time for him make some time to fellowship with each other and build up for our future generations this isn't so that any of us can get any glory this is for our kids for our junior high ministry so all we have left to do is some painting um, some minor little repairs inside and outside so it doesn't matter if you're not really great at it it's okay just come and contribute we are looking forward to having you here with us Um, And then also, we announced this last week or the week before, and this is a New Believers Foundation class. And this is going to be starting um, this month in October. It's going to be the first kickoff date. It's going to be Sunday the 23rd. We will be gathering here in the uh, Super Kids building. Oh, I'm sorry, the Super Kids classroom. Um, It's the middle classroom where the cafe used to be at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. sharp, we'll have a 45-minute class, and we will be covering all the foundations, doctrines, why we believe what we believe, and why it is important to serve and to love God and to honor God with all aspects of our life. So we just invite you here. This is for our new believers and not only our new believers who are new to faith. This is to open to anyone at any time. If you miss the first class, don't worry. You can always drop in um, at any other class. And we just really encourage you, youth, young adults, we encourage you to come into this because we really need the word of God. We need the truth on our forefront. We need the truth speaking out of our hearts, through our mouths, considering the day and age that we are living in right now. So we invite you to come in and um, join us. This will be October 23rd at 9 So we look forward to seeing you. And if you want to sign up, just stop by the Welcome Center and sign your name in on the sign-up sheet. So at this time, kids, you guys are dismissed. We have our nursery right here in the hallway foyer. Um, That's up to the babies of age three. Uh, Super Kids will be right next door. That's 7 to 11. And then Jam Club right next door to Super Kids. And that is our preschoolers from ages four to six. 
So let's give them a round of applause, all those little beautiful ones. And then youth, you guys will be having new service starting today, and it's going to be at 2 o'clock in the youth building. So youth, if you hear me online, uh, Ms. Betty will be waiting for you at 2 o'clock in your youth class. So at this time, let us all go ahead and open up our hearts and get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way. Glad you made it. I'm glad I made it. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for this church. We thank you for where we believe you're directing us and the word that we need, the word that will give us information and insight and revelation into how to manage this thing called life. We believe we receive it this morning in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for online church. Father, and I just thank you for the active participation of everyone engaging with you, Lord, in what you have for us this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Okay, well, we're going to continue part two. And if you weren't here last week, I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. So I had a, as you guys know, I like to do series. You know, I just believe you can build, people get more information than just, you know, shotgunning messages every Sunday different messages. So I had, you know, I have a way I study and a way I prepare. And last week, you know, it was like the shoe doesn't fit, the shoe doesn't fit, the shoe. And I've been there, you know, I've been doing this almost, what, 30 years. So you know when that's probably not the message. (laughs) So about midweek or so, I'm like, that's two weeks ago. I'm like, nah, this is not it. So I start really praying. And the Lord really just worked, you know, gave me this idea of, you know, I read it. And this is, you know, when I study, you'll you'll read something, then just maybe that happens to you. Something just pops out, right? One phrase, one idea. That's usually the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. You know, because sometimes you'll read, you know, I've said this many times, you'll read the same scripture a hundred times, and then there's a certain day when you'll read it, and something pops out, and that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to God. So I was in that kind of that mode, like I said, Lord, you know, because one thing I do not want to do, and hopefully I've built that confidence with you guys, is I don't want to show up here on Sunday not, at least what I believe, not prepared. You know, so I try to prepare, I try to do the best I can, so... Now I'm under pressure, and, and this idea of be strong and courageous. You know, I read that. I was kind of going through some songs. just be strong and be courageous. So I started getting into this thing, and, and just a lot of things came out of it. So, again, I'm not going to preach last week's message. But, you know, we really, what we discovered, you know, the idea of, so I broke it down basically in two ideas, right? What, 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 does, the Bible, what does the Bible mean by strength? You know, how do you get it? How do you obtain it? So that was basically last week's. And, and we learned one thing, that we are not responsible to be strong on our own. Say amen. That's kind of why we do believe what we believe. You know, um, I don't know your story, but a lot of the stories of people that seek spirituality or seek, you know, whichever that may be, hopefully it's Christianity, including myself, and again, I can't speak for you. I can kind of speak for some of you because I know some of your stories, but, you know, we didn't come to church seeking information, you know, we didn't come like, okay, I don't know enough about Bible. Maybe I should go join a church. You know, maybe this is one skill in my life I'm missing. I should, I need to find. No, we came because we found out that our life was missing something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, the harder we tried and the more that we try to figure this thing out, and I'm, I'm talking about myself, don't take anything personally, the more I made a mess. Does anybody feel that way? And, and you would pursue these things and these ideas, and then you finally just break down and say, God, I can't do this on my own. And you have that encounter. And, you know, hopefully that's where we all are. And now we choose this lifestyle called Christianity to hopefully become better people 
and resolve issues and the issues that drove you into the church, now you can manage and so forth and so on. So we have an idea, you know, I'm, I'm building on this because this is just human nature, that we have to go through life and try to figure it out. And, and yes, you know, education and all that is important. But then it comes to the idea of strength. And, and, you know, when you're young, it's really different than when you're older. Because I've noticed in my life that the, the lack of strength that I have is not really physical. Anybody feel that way? You know, I get up at, sometimes I'm up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and I sleep very little, and I'm amazed how much I get done with very little sleep. But that's just the way I'm wired. So I don't have a problem with it. And, and, and my work is very physical. You know, all we do is all day is there's no, you know, my job is not sitting behind a computer screen. Just let me tell you that. Everything is outside and welding and cutting. And so I have, you know, I, I don't have a, a, a deficiency in physical strength, but I realize that, you know, you can become very weak emotionally. You can become very weak spiritually. So we have to make sure that we break up these. Every time we talk about something like this, you have to break up those three arenas. Because we're not just talking about, I've got to be strong and courageous in this world out there. There's, there's a strength and courage in your emotional realm. There's strength and courage in your, especially, in your spiritual realm. So this is the idea. Of, so, so what we learned last week is that we're not responsible for this strength. We, but we are responsible to plugging into the source of strength. And the last scripture I used last week was uh, just, I love the way it reads out of the Amplified Bible, which is Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ. And then Amplified adds this word, which infuses, infuses inner strength. And I spent a little time on the idea of infusion because sometimes we miss this idea because church and Christianity, you know, and, and all of us that are leaders are responsible and somewhat for this. It almost is like it's, it's us and God, right? God, when we pray, we look up <laughs> or we close our eyes. Or, but we don't have, we really haven't grasped the idea of an infusion because there's a difference. And I, and I, I know this might not seem important, but the analogy is important for you to understand. If I drop up, you know, and I, and I, I use them, not, not every day, but, you know, those little energy C vitamin pack powdery things. If I pour it into this bottle you know, and I shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, well, the bottles will become orange and you drink it and whatever. But that's not really an infusion. That is a mixture. That means that, you know, potentially you could go through another chemical process and, you know, separate the water from, from what happened with the powder. And I, I, the, the reason this is important is because a lot of our Christianity, we kind of approach it that way. You know, it's us and God, me and God. And when I need God, I know he's with me. He's beside me. He's next to me. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He's with me. He's everywhere. But the fact that you're infused with him is not something like we don't quite understand it. Because an infusion, and of course I have Dr. Garza here, and a biologist, and all his wisdom. He can very probably explain what an infusion is much better than I can. But I understand an infusion, and correct me if I'm wrong, H, you're allowed to, is when you take two substances and you create a, a, a chemical process where you finally get to where they just become one. And potentially it's almost impossible to break it back out into syringes. Is that correct, sir? Más o menos? He's giving me like, you're kind of right, but not really right. But I'm, I'm close enough to not sound ignorant, so thank you. Um, and that is really what the, the, the experience of Christianity is. It's not just us and God. We've become one. And, and, and the more you work on the idea that it's not just me and God, we are one, then you really get the idea of what an infusion is. In other words, God blended his spirit with your spirit and made one spirit, which is his spirit infused into your spirit, 
And you, there's no reason for you feel you're not connected. Does that make sense? So now when you understand what that means, then it's really easy to absorb strength. Because it's not about, oh, I need to pray more. Oh, God, I need to go to church more. You know what? There's a lot of Christians, and I have to be careful, even in our leadership, we can wear people out. Because we think we're seeking, seeking, making you spiritually strong, and we're not. We're making you spiritually weak, or we're, we're deflating you to the point where there's a lot of people in church that are still doing the mechanics of church, but they don't really feel the fire or the energy. And what's happening is not that they're bad people or they lost their faith. It's just simply the strength has been gone. In other words, they've been doing this on their own strength. And you can do church on your own strength. And trust me, as a pastor, I've got to be very careful because when I look at numbers and I look at the bills we have to pay and I look at stuff and, it, and it's coming up and I'm thinking, okay, um, if I'm not careful, then I get worried, which I am supposed to be not worried, but I'm supposed to be the, the overseer. And here's what happens. As soon as I, that worry creeps in, it's almost instant. Well, let me put it this way. When worry creeps in, strength leaves. Trust me. If you're not, okay, if, Change it. Use the word fear. When fear creeps in, strength leaves. So, okay, what are we going to do? we got to pay the light, but we got to, uh, got to, and then i got to stop and say, wait, 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 Lord. This is your work. Yes, I'm responsible, guess what? And you're responsible, but at the end of the day, it's not my work. And that immediately kind of sets me free to what? To have a different perspective. And, and I, I'm using just my own experiences, but look in your situation in your life. And see if that happens, you know, when you're, when you're navigating and you feel that you're losing strength in any area, in, you know, family, relationships, whatever. Are you trying to do this on your own again? Because the strength that God gives you usually comes through information. You know, he doesn't say, woo, energized, oh, powerful. No, it's just like, oh, this is what you got to do. And by giving you that information, guess what happens? The anxiety begins to leave. And when anxiety leaves, guess what happens? You become stronger. Amen. So I know I'm kind of summarizing last week's message. Now let's get into part two, which is this, you know, the, the second part, which would be courageous. And, and we're going to combine them. So open your Bible says Joshua chapter one, verse six. This time I'm going to read through it. Last week I only pulled one out of here. And this is really where the, where the series began. God speaking to Joshua. Now, again, I want you to I, I love to live the Bible out. I don't just like to read it like a fantasy. Here's a guy that's been in the shadow of Moses for many, many years. Uh, Moses, the great leader, Moses, the great liberator, Moses, the great hero, Moses, the one that was in the mountain receiving the commandments while Joshua was in a cold, dark cave, you know, and Joshua was was the man. So Moses dies and he is faced with a huge responsibility because he's got to take these people. They've been wandering in the year for 40, you know, wandering in the desert for 40 years. Joshua's not a young man anymore. And now God says, okay, Joshua, here it is. It's your, it's your package now. Most theologians agree that we're talking about between three and six, get this, guys, million people in the desert. How would you like to lead that problem? I mean, just leading your family, it seems like six million sometimes. No, this is a huge responsibility. I mean, you've got to feed them. I mean, this is, so obviously you're going to have to conquer cities, which was the original plan. And you would think God would come up with this very huge strategic plan to say, okay, I want you to put guys here and put the guards over there and, and attack here and attack that and, you know, just a real elaborate attack plan. And he doesn't. He just comes up with two. Really, he gave him three points. And, I, and I'm telling you, if we could figure this thing out, these are the three points to have success in your life. I could preach this from a whole different angle and it would still be the, the, the three points. And the three points that you find here, he just told him, strong, have courage, and meditate. 
That's basically it. Those are the three things to have success in life. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Once again, he brings it up. Only be strong and courageous. Being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. That's the meditation part. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then when? When you do what the book says, right? You will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. I love that line because it's like, that's like the, you know, that's prosperity on on steroids, because he just adds two, two ideas. I mean, just if, he, if God said you will be prosperous, I'm fine with that. No, he adds good success. And that idea of good success doesn't just mean, oh, I'm wealthy and rich. No, that means that your life is worth living. Think about that. Is your life worth living, right? Have not I commanded you? Once again, be strong and courageous. And then he adds this little line. Do not be frightened. That is a word, because if something we've heard in this church is don't fear, right? And, the, and do not be dismayed. That word means confused. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, that last line, let me just tag it to my opening statement about God is with you always. And the way he is with you wherever you go is not that you're just falling out. Back to that idea of being one. Now, I'll just leave that out there. So here we find, you know, Joshua, strong and courageous. In this reading, he says it three times. That one, that one phrase, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And he adds the idea of meditation, meaning, you know, not some transcendental, you know, put your mind in blank and all that. He's meditating on the word. What did the word say? You know, playing that word in your head, trying to analyze every aspect of that word. That's what meditation means. And then, you know, and he tells you, and, and the meditation part, he, he, he says it a couple times, if you see it. it does, he doesn't just say it once. He sees it different ways. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Focus. Well, that's, you know, that could be another message later on. But here we find strong, courageous, strong, courageous, meditate, strong, courageous, and don't fear. So basically, he says, you want to win this thing. You want to take six million people into victory. You want to take your promised land that was promised to you over 400 years ago. These are the three points you need. You see, if we were trying to figure this out in modern warfare, we would have all the generals around the table, and we'd have these huge meetings, and we'd have all these strategic... God said, no, you just need three things. See, God is not complicated, church. Say amen. Religion makes him complicated. It really does. Because religion, you try to, you try to serve God through religion, you probably never will. So let's, let's break it down. Let's try, talk a little bit about courage. So courage, I just want to some of my notes that I did. Courage, and I'll, I'll give you the, the definition first. Well... Let's see, what do we have? Give me the next one, RJ. Let, let's, let's talk about this definition, then I'll read some of my notes. So the, the, the basic definition of the, abil- the, the word courage is the ability to do something that frightens one or strength in the face of pain and grief. Now, sometimes we've taken the idea, and it, and it is kind of out there, right? Like, if you're courage, you have an idea of, like, Rambo. He's uh, Rambo the Courage. Some of you, Milenos, who's Rambo? Don't worry. He was a cool guy, anyway. And we, we kind of associate the idea of courage with being powerful and that guy's very courageous, and, and it's not. Because we're associating courageous with something like her, being a hero or being superhuman or being super powerful, and it's nothing like that. Because here's the question. If I, if I just say, don't raise your hand, please. If I said, how many of you just want unconditional, you know, 
unlimited courage in your life right now. And so, oh, yeah, Pastor, I, I want it. Yeah, I want it too. But you realize what you're asking, right? Because the only reason you would ask for courage is because you're ready to face something that frightens you. <laughs> and the only reason you would ask for courage is because there's pain and grief in your life that you don't want to deal with. There's no other reason we need courage. So when you say, I just want courage, God says there is courage for you, but it has to be understood what it, why it's there for. And what is more interesting, because this is like, this is not really Webster, I forget which definition, I usually try to use Webster, but this is just a dictionary definition. When you get into the original text definition, it gets even more interesting. So from the original text, I don't know if I put that slide up there, you might hit the next one. There you go. See, you guys are just going to track with me today. So now we go into the Hebrew. And it goes on, the word is amat. And this is so really, really interesting. I spent like two hours trying to figure this thing out, by, by the way, guys. So it's, to be strengthened and to be courageous. It is striking that in many cases this verb amat is accompanied by the verb chashak, which means to be strong. So I'm thinking, really, Lord, you took me this whole... So basically, you ready? You could say this. Be strong and strong. Like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Be strong and courageous, but when you break out the word of courageous from the Hebrew, it is a little different. Because, yes, courage, having courage is still, because what was, what was Joshua facing? Facing all the fears of failure, right? I mean, he has a huge responsibility, facing all the fears of failure. So, really, what God has said, I mean, if you really try to break this down from what, what, what the Hebrew word what the Hebrew ear heard was only be strong in strength. Now you know why I spent two hours on this. God, help me with this. Help me with this. Be strong and in strength. But the word strength is also the word courageous. So be strong in strength where there is no fear. Be strong in a strength where there's no apprehension. That's courage. He's not eliminating the things that you need courage for. He's just saying there's a strength and there's this thing called courage that will be added to, to your strength. To, so, so courage is also strength. Are you guys striking with me? This is not easy to explain in five minutes because the Hebrew is such a illustrative language and, and I'm not a, by no means would even dare say I don't know anything about Hebrew to get up here. I know enough to pick through it and to try to give you what I, you know, what the, the basis of it. So while I was working, I said, so Lord, how do I bring that into something that makes sense? Well, it, it came very simply. So God says, be strong. Okay, so I already got that. In this, in, in this union with him that we are receiving the strength, that strength, get this, will supernaturally anoint the courage that you need to make you into history. So it's basically a real big circle. I know you guys are like, what is he talking? No, it's not. Because when you, when you make a, when you, and, and you'll see it as I, as I go into, into the teaching, when you see this, how this begins, begins to break down, you begin to say, you know what, I get it now. I, am, I, I can do these things, and I'll tell you something, there's going to be ministry, I'll tell you right up the front end, the Lord really spoke to me clearly last night about what was going to happen at the end of the service, and some of you are going to, are going to be blessed. I'll tell you right at the front, because I want you to get your faith up. The prayer that we're going to finish the service with is, is for those of you who have given up on some things. And the reason you gave up is because you lost your courage to face it. 
The Lord was so specific on that. If they know that might not click to everybody, but there are people in here, there's people online that definitely need that. Amen? So start opening your seat. If that's yours, you know, God, God might, might re, you know, I say reunite, might reignite some dreams that you've lost. This morning, God might reignite some, some visions that he gave you, and the reason you lost them was because you lost your courage. So we're going to break this down. So just, just be open to that. Amen? So, so once we break this idea of, of be strong and in in, in courageous, which also means strength, you begin to see it is to be strengthened and to be courageous, and the courage that God has you carries, this is the final one, the same strength. So once again, you're not depending on your own strength. And here's a good one. You're not even depending on your own courage. It's his. Because there are things in life that there is no way. I mean, I look back at my life and some of the things that we just walked into. I'm talking ministerial ideas. There was not a lot of planning. <laughs> it was like, we're supposed to be in Heberville. <laughs> That's all I knew. I didn't know where or how, who or when, what. So we took a ride to Heberville and we saw a little building with a cross on it. You see, that those things need supernatural courage. Because, you know, you know, even in my case, I don't want more headaches. I don't even live in Heavenville. I don't even know anybody from Heavenville. I don't have any family in Heavenville. All these things are coming, so it's going to take strength and courage to make the next step. You're tracking? So you begin to see what he's saying. Don't try, and, and, and hopefully when you see this, because we've been trying to fight some battles, guys, on our own. That's really this. And it, it will wear you out. Because the battle belongs to who? Thank you. Next slide. Okay, let's go into this. So courage isn't having the strength to go on. It's going on when you don't have strength. Napoleon Bonaparte said that. I know he's probably not your favorite cup of tea, but he was an amazing general. And, but the idea of what I found this quote is, you know, we think courage is just, oh, I just face everything in life. I'm not afraid. I, you know, I'm he-man. I can do whatever. No. It, it has to be, you know, what, what Napoleon said is it's having the strength. Remember? Strength and courage. So courage is the strength that the strength, the first strength needs when it's lost its weakness. Oh, I'm strong. But if you keep working out, you know, working on something, you know, and it's not producing or you're not getting the results that you thought, you're going to give up on it. You're failing in your strength. So what comes in? The strength that courage produces. Now you begin to see what I'm talking about. Now, I got a little ahead of myself. So let me back up on, on this definition just, just briefly. So courage has a specific use, but it can't be confused. Courage should not be confused with power. Once again, the ability to do something that frightens ones or strength in the strength in the face of pain and grief. So those are the, so those are the, the, you know, the first definitions. Let me give you another quote. Winston Churchill called church called courage the first human quality because it is the quality which guarantees all others. And I began to think about that. I thought, yeah, pretty much. When you think about values in your life, when you think about the things that you stand for, you have to value the value of courage. Because courage will fuel all the other ones, and I'll show you here in a moment. Now, don't equate... Well, let me, let me keep going down here. Okay, give me the next one. It takes tremendous amount of courage to become the person you truly want to become. Courage is the most important virtue because without courage, I just mentioned that, you can't practice any other virtue. Because, again, you're going to be faced in life with thousands of, of situations 
where your value system, pay attention, that because boy, if something is being attacked in America, is the value system. Well, the value system of the of United States as a nation has been pretty much destroyed. There's not a whole lot left. Just let's just be honest. You know, America. I believe I love this nation, America. But the value system that it was created on, there's very little left. So you still have a value system. Say, man, hope you do. <laughs> you know, certain values. Well, it takes courage to stand up for that. Let's say you're raising your kids in some, in, in, in you know, with godly ideas. And thank God we live in South Texas, and thank God our school districts are the way they are. Trust me, you should thank God. As much problems as we have, we don't have some of the big, huge, stupid problems, like one restroom and all that kind of nonsense. Where I'm going with this, it takes courage to stand up. Because what happens, you know, if the school decides to flip on you, and now you're saying, oh, I have a value system on how I'm supposed to raise my kids, and the public school system has now, you know, transformed into something that does not line up with my values, guess what? It's going to take a lot of courage for you to stand up against that. And sometimes we fold. Well, I guess it's just the way it is, and everybody's going. It should be all right. I mean, yeah, most sometimes, but sometimes it's not. So this idea that, that God, has, you know, God has given us in his spirit, you know, let, me, let me quote New Testament, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So once you settle that, then any other spirit in your life that causes fear and apprehension and tries to discourage you, I like the word discourage, right? It's not from God. <laughs> Was it the devil? It might be the devil, or it might just be you. It might just be humanity. Because if you notice, humanity as a whole doesn't have an answer. You know, they're always trying to find answers for everything, but they don't really have an answer. So, <laughs> this is so much going in my head right now. Let me, let me bring it back. So when you, when you start saying, well, so Pastor, okay, I get it. I need courage. I, you know, wh- where is the area of my life? Well, let, let's keep breaking it down because I want you to get a very, very clear perspective this morning. So another quote. I like quotes, as you can tell. I, I was re- I'm still reading. It's a huge book. If you like to read, this is, you know, it's, <laughs> it's bigger than the Bible, I think. It's Nelson Mandela's story, which is, you know, there's a lot of things I probably don't agree with. But there's a lot. This guy is still an amazing amazing what he did was amazing so anyhow and he said this he said i learned the courage was not the absence of fear but to be able to triumph over now you got to understand if you don't know who nelson mandela is you need to figure study a little better because he spent most of his life in prison and and by the time he came out he was able to liberate a whole nation and broke down apartheid which was a horrible horrible thing anyway so this man wrote most of his biography in prison and Boy, it's just amazing when you, when you read this book with all the stuff that this guy, you know, his, the way he thought. It says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And the reason I picked this quote is because as we move in, I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm not just sit here and read quotes from a bunch of humans, <laughs> you know, that have gone before us. But the idea is, because you see, if we feel fear, which we all do, if you don't believe it, oh, I got fear conquered. No, you don't. No, you don't. All you got is get in one text right now and launch you into the stratosphere of fear. You know, somebody could just write some random text and it hits your phone. Boom, you're gone. So fear is something that is real and it's consistent. It has never left. And God spoke a lot about fear. And the Bible speaks a lot about fear and how we have to control it. But it's not something you cannot just turn I will not walk in fear. Because fear is a mind set 
you know, and it comes usually from the sense realm, meaning your five senses. You hear something, you smell something, you taste something, you know. When we were having all these brush fires uh, a few months ago, you know, back, you know, most of there weren't very, very serious ones, but there were some, and you'd walk out of the house at the ranch and you smell smoke. Immediately, it's like, where's the fire? So your senses picked up the smell of smoke, and I'm, I'm not going for panic fear, but I'm looking for fire because I hope the fire's not on my place, right? So your sense realm is the one where fear comes in always. You hear it, you see it, you smell it, you feel it, whatever. So fear, courage, let me put this back to Nelson Mandela's quote, courage is never the absence of fear, so don't try to mix that up. What courage does, it makes you do it even through fear. Are you with me? All right, the next one, RJ. Let's go. Okay, this is a good one. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, New Living Translation reads this way. So, be strong. Once again, this is all over the Bible, this idea. And courageous. And then he tells you how. Now, here he's talking to Moses. He says, do not be afraid and do not panic. Don't raise your hand, but raise it on the inside. How many went in panic mode this week for any reason? No? Okay. <laughs> I said raise it on the inside. Some of you are so honest. <laughs> Faster I did. But because panic mode is really a place of fear. Panic comes from fear. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Panic means you're not thinking properly anymore. Panic means you're trying to put the fire out with the wrong, you know. When I was doing you know, environmental and safety and all that kind of stuff, it's funny when you did fire, fire training. You know, there's some fires you don't put water on. You know that, right? <laughs> put it out with fire! The kitchen's on fire! No! Don't throw water on kitchen fire because you're going to have a big fire. All right, just letting you know. There's other stuff you need. My, my point is, fear is not something you can control. Panic is something you can control. Get that? How you react to life situations is under your control. And the only way you can react without drama and without panic and without craziness is when you have a solid foundation of how and what is coming at you, get this one, and the location of it. Pastor, you're going to, yes, I'm going back to that. Location meaning, is this in your past? Is this in your present? Or is this in your future? That's very important. You got to, anything that gets thrown at your life, make sure you put it, first and foremost, where it needs to be. Because somebody might throw something out of your past that you did 10 years ago and ruin your whole week. Well, you did it 10 years ago, so what does it matter? But you absorbed it, right? And somehow, you, you know, you made yourself miserable because that thing was in the past. So when you understand this, you know, be strong, don't be afraid, do not panic. Make sure, because fear has a way, any, like for example, most fear is never in your present. Think about it. If I ask anybody here, what are you... Let's not not use the word fear because you guys are like hyper-Christians and don't want to acknowledge that you have fear. Let's just use the word worry. such a pretty word. Don't say it, but anything that you're worried about right now, this moment, has to have fear in it. Because if it didn't have fear, it wouldn't be worry. And guess what? Most of the time, I I, I hate to say 100% because I'm sure there's that one place where it's not 100%, but whatever you're worried about, probably more than likely, is in the future. Well, I don't have the money for the car payment. That's not right now, is it? 
and you worrying about your car payment right now is not going to pay for the car payment. Just saying. If that was the case, boy, we would be billionaires. If we produce money, whoo, I'd be on easy street. Come on, who would be just filthy rich if you worry produce money, right? So do not be afraid and do not panic. And I like the word, the idea of, not like the word panic, but the idea of why panic? Because fear is one thing, but what it produces is panic. You get it? That's up to you. The panic is yours. That's not fear. Fear shows, oh, I'm going to blow you down, destroy your house, kill your family. Ah! From that point on, it's up to you what you're going to do with that information. Okay. And then he says, for the Lord your God will personally, I love it, go ahead of you. If you don't get anything else out of it this morning, make sure you get that last line. He will never fail you. Uh, let me just do a quick box paraphrase. He will never abandon you. I just like to put the two ideas because it just punches it right through. If he says, he will never fail you, he will never abandon you. Now let's bring it home. I want you to participate. I want you to say, he will never fail me. He will never abandon me. Ready? Let's say it together. One, two, three. He will never fail me. He will never abandon me. Feel it? Just by you speaking it, you create that presence. In other words, the Holy Spirit just got just smiled. What you feel when you say those things, oh, the, no, the Holy Spirit smiles. It's okay, they're getting it. So now once, you, once you've established he will never fail or abandon you, well, those are the same, pretty much the same instructions that he told Moses, same instructions he told Joshua. All through the Bible, you know, same instructions he told David. All the great heroes of the Bible, they all walked in an immense amount of fear. Can I hear an Amen. <laughs> that's the truth. You know, sometimes we're not careful. Those word people says, you know, we, we're, you know, we don't walk in fear. No, we're not supposed to, but fear, you smell it, you taste it every single day of your life. So, my message would be, let's develop courage not to not have fear, but the courage is to counteract the fear. Because you can get on this triple. No, stuff comes and you have to analyze it. You can't just live in a, you know, bubble where everything's you know, fine, and nothing's going to, oh, God's got this. I had a, this, I was thinking about the blessing, you know, even this morning, and I had this, you know, this idea, so, so, you know, sometimes we're not careful, we act like the blessing is just this little magic cloak that once you get the blessing, nothing ever bad happens to you. That's not what the blessing was for. The was blessing was helped you get you through all that junk that life comes, you know, and if you preach that, you don't preach it, right, pretty soon people are like, oh, well, I had a bad week, I guess God, I'm not blessed. And that's dangerous doctrine. Because some people out there like that. Like, if something goes wrong in your life, well, you're not praying enough, you're not going to church enough. Are you kidding me? Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you're going to go through some stuff. I don't care to embrace the trouble, but i got to figure out how to navigate through the trouble. And the one thing that's going to get me through whatever life situation I am dealing with is understanding how courage works and where it comes from. Because I'm already depending on his strength. But you know what? I also need the courage to continue through it. And that idea that he will never fail or abandon you is amazing to me. Because my, you know, the, the areas where I feel I'm failing is because me. <laughs> Just go ahead and accept it. It's really easy to throw a finger up to God and say, well, it's your fault, you didn't show up, you didn't come through, you, 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 you. But at the end of the day, you know, where's that going to get you? 
See, our lack of understanding or our wrong perception of the word creates a lot of false narratives in our life. And that is a dangerous place to be. Well, how do I know if it's a false narrative? How do I know if it's a truth narrative? Well, I guess if you're a truth seeker, you're going to find out what truth is. If you just embrace your narrative and say, well, that's, you know, I like how this feels or tastes. But, you know, because one of the things that, and I'll, I'll, I'm, well, I'm so ahead now. But one of the things that truth does, truth challenges you all the time. And you can say, I don't want to believe it. That's what America is doing. America is, is in, a, in, in such a deception. When I mean America, I'm talking about, you know, this craziness that's going across the country. And it's so dark and it's so vile and they're so convinced that, that the craziness just explodes around this. I mean, it just goes on <laughs> and deeper and deeper into craziness and craziness and, and now the pronouns and now this and now that. and it just, It's not going to stop because they have been sunk, they have sunk into a deception to the point where they believe the deception. Well, guess what? That happens in church also. You teach things that are wrong or you teach things, somebody says something or, or, or you know, the church has all these ideas that go around the church of, well, you know, this happened because of this and this happened because of that. And, wow, you can get really weird on that because you have to understand God doesn't think that way. <laughs> we think that way. And courage is one of those things that when it develops, it, one thing that I'm, I'm hoping to develop in my life is to have a clear understanding of really who the Spirit of God is. Who is, who is God without the, the fluff, without the, you know, the craziness, without the other information, without all the other books that we read? Who is God just in his purity? And that is sometimes a hard pursuit to do because there's so much, so much stuff. So, so this idea here, the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you once again. That idea personally means one. So, if, you know, out of this series, what I want you to get is, is try to break out this idea that I said at the, at the front end. Me and God, me and God, me and God. God and I, God and I, God. No, one. It's always just one. All right, let's go to the next one. Here we're going to get to starting to land this. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved the most important truths for last. Now, this is Paul writing about to introduce the teaching of the armor of God. I think that's a teaching that we need to revisit deeply, by the way, because it seems like we just taught it to... Sunday school and just kind of left it at the Sunday school. Okay, we got the armor of God. Let's just start. No, there's a truth, truth, truth. But this is just the introduction. I'm not going to preach the armor of God. He says, now my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. And this is the Passion Translation. And he picks that little word. Isn't that cool? Be super naturally, what's the word? Infused. With strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Let me read it again. And then I'm, I'm going to pull up the King James for those of you more familiar. With it. it says, now my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. So don't, don't worry about, you know, that's just the introduction to what he's going to say. But this is the truth. Be supernaturally infused with strength. Get this. Supernaturally infused with strength. Supernaturally infused with courage. So King James read, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power. How many can finish it? So you guys are like, don't open your Bible. Come on. Every, all, y'all are going back to super kids. Every one of you, too. You learned the scripture. 
We're, we should do memorizing scriptures, right? Like they used to make you memorize scripture. Finally, my brethren, that's King James, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, there's a lot in there to unpack. So, so basically, Passion Translation unpacked it where we could understand it a little better. But King James is so condensed. I mean, it's so compact, but it's still so powerful. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Strong, not on your strength, in Him. But then he adds, and the power of His strength, or His might. So be strong and courageous in the power of His. But what Passion Translation says, infused. So once again, he's not asking you to try to figure this thing out. Well, I'm just mixed up with God. No, we are infused. There should be no, really no separation in the spiritual realm. All right? So, so, so keep that in mind. Now, I'm going to give you, we're almost, we're almost where we need to be. And, and, and don't, don't flip the slide just yet. Let me introduce it a little bit. So as I was preparing this, I was saying, you know, stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in through you. And I'm thinking, stand victorious. Stand victorious. That means our stand is a stand from the position of victory. In other words, what he's saying is our stance, does, our victory doesn't start when we win. Pay attention to this, church. Our victory is ours when we understand that, regardless of whatever happens in the natural. So, you stand in victory based on the fact, back to the King James, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in His power. Once again, not your power. So our source, I know, it says, Pastor, you've already said like 10 times. Well, you're going to need to hear it about 11 times. Because the more you hear it, the more you realize that you can go through life situations, the ones that are confusing to you, because there's a lot of them. You're going to be faced in life, I'm telling you, church. And if you, if you don't face this, you're the, probably the one. But you will be faced in life where your faith's going to be challenged. Where you're going to be going through a situation, and everything you believed up to that point will be challenged. Because the situation you're dealing with doesn't line up with all your beliefs. And the resolve of the situation is not getting fixed with all your beliefs either. Y'all with me? And those are rude, rude awakenings that we all have. And one of those rude awakenings is this. That we keep trying to move into these things with an understanding, maybe a shallow understanding of what victory is. Because you say, you know, what is your definition of victory? You know, is it the same as God's definition of victory? I think God's definition of victory is get to heaven. <laughs> Don't miss heaven. I think, that's, I think that's God's basic definition of victory. But we have all these definitions of victory down here. You know, if I make a million dollars, I'm victorious. That's, that's, that's your definition. You know? And we could just break all this down, and it just keeps getting more and more confused. So he says, stand victorious. In other words, your victory stand the courage you need is not going to come when you're in the battle. The courage you need is going to have to come at the back end. I mean, at the front end of the battle. Does that make sense? So, so, he's, so God is saying, I already won this. You just got to walk through it. Well, I don't want to. Well, that's called life. What do you want me to do? 
Is there other way, Pastor? Is there, is there like door B? No, no, there's no door B. In this life, you will have tribulation. But this is how you overcome it. That's what Jesus said, but I have overcome the world. He didn't, he didn't leave us in tribulation. Paul went on to say, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he didn't talk about flowers and puppies. He talked about some hard stuff. Hard stuff. Peril, nakedness, struggles. He said, nothing can separate us. How can Paul go through the hell that he went and still love God? I was going to teach this from a whole different, from a Pauline angle, which is really good. Um, when Paul gets called, it's like all hell breaks loose for him. But then it, it gets worse. He finally gets arrested, and they're going to kill him. And the Lord gives him a word. He says, no, you're not going to die because you are going to be in Rome. And you would think that, whoo, thank you, Lord. Man, I'm glad my struggles are over. God just gave me a word. How many want a word from the Lord? Raise your hand. Everybody wants a word from the Lord. Yeah, the problem is sometimes that word that Paul got, when he said, don't worry, Paul, don't be in fear, you will stand in front of the king. You will testify in Rome. Everybody wants to kill him and his mother. You would think that that word would like, okay, finally got it. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) After Paul got that word, his hell multiplied. He was in shipwrecks. He got bitten by a viper. He got stoned to death and came back. After God gave him a word. Some of you are like, maybe I don't want a word from the Lord. (laughs) I'll take that one back, Pastor. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, this is life, guys. And we're going to have to make a choice. Do, Do we enjoy it? even with the garbage? Do we enjoy it even with the trials? Can we enjoy the trials? Because again, this little Bible, you know, this little book that we live in, there's a, you know, Jesus' half-brother, James, he said, count it all joy when your bills are paid. Oh, that's, that, that's the modern translation that we preach in modern churches. But that's not the original text. Count it all joy when you're debt-free, yeah, that's, you can count it our joy, but that's not what the Bible says. Count it our joy when all your children, all their demons have been cast out and they actually behave. Count it all joy when your wife finally submitted. That's not happening, guys. Especially if you're married to Mexican. Count it all, no, no, no. It says count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and tests. You're like, <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. But that's how you can do it. At the front end of whatever life situation you're facing, or you might say, Pastor, I'm not at the front end. I'm right smack in the middle of it. Okay. (laughs) Go smack right into the middle of it. Or maybe you're, well, I'm at the end of my rope. Tie a knot. Because there's no room for failure. There's no room for giving up. Are you going to give up now? Because that's what the whole attack is about. The whole reason you're going, what you're going through, is a, is a point of discouragement that Satan has designed to get you out of the house of God. And get you back into your own head, into your own way of thinking, into the reason. And, and, he, and he's so funny because the devil has a way of, of, of erasing out of your brain the reason you even came to God in the first place. Because, you know, after you've been doing this for like 20 years, 
But it was, ah, that's so tedious, that's so old. That, no, it's not. The same stuff. You know, this word is not old. <laughs> Amen. It's just a word. But it takes courage to live in it. And I'm not talking about some fake holiness, per, you know, parody of li- I'm living. No, no, no. To live in it in the confidence that somehow God's going to get me through this. And I have courage to face it. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to give up. Now, give me the next one because now I'm preaching it. So I came up with this. Now, there could be a hundred more. But I said, why do we need to take courage in today's society? Because these are some of the things that you need courage for. The first one is just simply to stay. I started to fill in the blank, and and, and I just believe the Holy Spirit. No, just leave it like stay. Stay for what? Stay married. Stay being a dad. Stay being a mom. Stay committed to God. Stay faithful. It takes courage, because there's, there's a lot of times that it's easier to run. Come on, church. I've been in many situations where the best option is just run. But it takes courage to stay. It takes courage sometimes to keep this thing going. Trust me. I'm speaking to my leaders, too. Come on, guys, we need courage. Because courage is designed for the difficult times. Courage is not designed so you can just have you know, a party all day. That's what we equate it to. I'm courageous. That means you're going through stuff. It takes courage to take responsibility. What areas of your life have you not taken responsibility? Let's start. Again, everything I say is me, okay? Because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, man, sometimes I don't. I just had to get a smile out of Danny back there. He likes my weird humor. You got to take responsibility over your marriage. Over your parenting? You want a big one? Over your finances? That's one of the biggest problems of headaches in people's life is finances. Amen. More fights over the kitchen table with your wife over finances. You've got to take responsibility. It takes courage because sometimes the easiest thing is not to take responsibility and just keep living the way you're living. That's easy. To stay the same is easy. It takes courage to take responsibility over your own body. Boom. Don't, don't go there, Pastor Box. I told you all love me when I say nice things to you. No, I mean, these, these are things that I was faced with. I, I'm not going to bore you with my stories, but I was faced with, you know, the whole thing with my feet and all that that went last year. I, I had to make decisions. And I actually need to get back on track because I'm, like, slacking on my decisions. But it takes responsibility. You know, it takes courage to accept because unless you can accept things, you're never going to find a solution for them. I'm just throwing really vague ideas. Hopefully, it's stirring stuff in you. You say, you know what? Because at the end of the... Now, we're almost done, by the way. At the end of this, we're going to pray. And my prayer is that God infuses all of us with this amazing courage. But we have to do our part. Because you can have all this, this force that says, you know what? I don't care what life throws at me. I'm, 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 I'm going to walk through this thing. You're not going to find me in the valley of the shadow of death laying down. I might, you might, you, you'll find me at the end. You might find me beat up and broke down, and, but I'm, you're not going to find me dead. That takes courage because a lot of people just want to give up. You know, there's a lot of people that, that stop living their lives many, 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 many years before they actually died. They stop living with purpose. They stop living with vision. And their last 20 or 30 years of their life was completely pointless. And those people are usually very, very sour people, very angry people. 
If you meet older people, and I'm one of them now, right? The older people. When you meet the older people and they're all sour and angry, it's really not that they're, it's just that they don't have purpose anymore. And they've given up. And they decided to fold down instead of fight it. And I'm telling you, it takes courage to take responsibility. You want another one? It takes courage to ask for forgiveness. When you're wrong and you know it, everything in your, in your, in your body says, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. Who do they think they are? And the Holy Spirit says, you're not going to have courage. You see, courage is developed. Everybody has courage. You don't have to ask God for courage. But it's just like faith. Everybody has faith. What do you mean I have faith? You sat down on the chair, you didn't check it, so obviously you have faith in that chair. So everybody has faith. Well, you have to have courage to ask for forgiveness. And you have to have that faith the same way because it, it, your, your whole body is saying, trust me, this is a big one. Because the more you develop courage, just like faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how faith is developed. Your faith muscle is developed by hearing the word of God. Every time you hear it, you're doing crow. That's what faith does. Well, guess what does? Courage is developed when you do a few of these things. Because you're thinking, oh, courage is developed when I run into the fire. No, courage is developed when you stay with your wife, when all things are bad. Are you listening? That's courage. Courage is to stay with those kids when those kids have done everything in their life to dishonor you, but you say, you know what? I'm still their dad. It takes courage to do that. See, the definition of the world courage and Bible courage is really different. So you, you know, to, to take responsibility, to ask for forgiveness, it takes courage to love. Because loving puts us in a very vulnerable position. When you say, I love something, you have put all, that's why, that's why I don't like to use the word love loosely. And again, I'm not making a big deal. But you do have to kind of separate, I love my, my wife versus I love a hamburger. Some of you are like, well, I really do love a hamburger. Okay, well, that, you, you need you need your own talk show or something, because that's really weird. But um, love, it takes courage to love, because the foundation of love is everything to God. Well, I love my family. That's easy. <laughs> Boy, God has dealt with this one in my life over the last couple of years, even more so. I have changed my perspective on things. You know, the word doesn't change, but God's angle on it changes. Not at God's angle, your angle on it changes. And I have found some things where I was just completely, for years, in absolute ignorance, just not really developing the idea of love in certain things in my life. Because I just thought that's the way it is. And God said, that's not the way it is. I'll help you with this one. You're nobody to judge anybody. That's an easy one, right? That's in the Bible. Yeah, you thought you would have thought I would have seen it there. But. Meaning, it's not, it's not up to you to decide who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't. Amen? It's not up to you to decide a lot of things that you want to decide over people. And that's why it takes courage to love. Because you have to love people in whatever place they are in life and whatever situation they are going through. And even if they're rotten and ugly to you, you still have to love them. Do you see that? So it takes courage, if I could put it this way, to love the unlovely. But you have to do it. Because Jesus said there's no merit in loving the lovely. Did he say it? Y'all remember Jesus? Red letters? He said the merit is when you love the unlovely. Because now, you're, now you are processing agape. 
You're not just, I love my wife because she's my wife. I love my kids. No, you're, you're, you're releasing something completely different to your love. You're releasing his love. See that? So it's easy to love the unlovely when it's not based on your love. So I'm not trying to help you here. Back to the first point, infused. When you're infused with him, this is not that hard. Okay. It takes courage to forgive. Can I hear an amen on that one? Yeah, oh boy, that's a big one, right? It takes a lot of courage to forgive. And the last one on my list, and this is, this is no, this is just a list I came up with, is to speak truth. I want to spend a lot of time because I have a whole different series around that one. But Jesus said, you will know the truth. And, and it takes courage on a couple levels. It takes courage to accept truth. And it takes courage to walk in truth. Because <laughs> you'll be faced with things and you know it in your face, it's truth. But, you know, you're, 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 you just still don't want to accept it. It takes courage. You say, you know what? If I, don't, if I don't have the courage to accept the truth. Just, I, mean, I can tell you, you know, there's personal things in my life, but I, there's just some things last night that the Lord, when I use the word dealt with me, it sounds harsh. It's not really dealt with me. You know? I don't know. It's not like that. It's more like a conversation. But he was correcting me on some things. And I was open to it. I didn't sit there and fight it. I said, yeah. Now I actually have to put it into action. We'll see how that works, right? But you have to take courage. To a lot of a lot of life activities are depending on this influence of God. Now, let me give you the last scripture and then I'm gonna pray for you this, this morning. Psalm twenty seven fourteen. This is such a good I had a couple more, but I deleted a lot of them. Psalm twenty seven fourteen. David writing, he's here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Here we go. You, get it? you ready for another one? Be entwined as one with the Lord. Boy, that keeps coming up, doesn't it? Be brave and courageous. Never lose hope. Yes. Keep on waiting. Right, we, don't, we don't like that one because we're so impatient. But the last line there in the Passion Translation is so beautiful. He will never disappoint you. If you're disappointed with religion... If you're disappointed with church, if you're disappointed with me, if you're disappointed with Faithway, that's one thing. And maybe you have a right to be. I'm not even going to say you don't have a right to be disappointed. What you don't have a right is to be disappointed with God. Because he's the only thing we have, church. And, and the, the things that we don't understand in life, we shouldn't just immediately, by default, go to a, some twisted idea that somebody taught us about what God does and doesn't do. And because our twisted idea, we get rid of God. Isn't that bad? And a lot of people do that. A lot of people come to church. They, they love God when everything is going good. But they don't have the courage to stay when everything's not going good. They don't have the courage to stay when they are experiencing the diverse trials and tribulations and tests. Well, let me ask a question, then we'll finish. How would you rather experience a trial, a test, and a tribulation? I would rather experience it knowing I'm on this side of it. Knowing I'm on the God side of it. Knowing I'm on the side that he won't disappoint me through this thing. Come on, church. Y'all say amen. Yes, keep on waiting. No, I don't like to wait. We're a fast food generation. Drive through everything. It's amazing. I, I, I'm a victim of this. I was thinking the other day. I was in a drive through and they were taking extra long. Oh, yeah, of course. Chick-fil-A. What's up with Chick-fil-A? They were usually... Not that. But then I realized, you know, the whole process of me getting cooked chicken took me about 
15 minutes, and I thought that was too long. We are so messed up. <laughs> Back in my day, you'd have to wait two hours before mom cooked anything. And that's when she started cooking. Then you'd have to wait another two hours before she finished. And don't dare walk in there because they'll hit your hand, right? I'm starving. No, you're not. We've got to get out of this idea of God is this fast food machine. God is not an ATM, and God is not a fast food machine. He's a God that will never disappoint you. But he will do it in his timing. And he will do it based on how you navigate through things. See, not everything is on God to fix immediately. He says, okay, you're dealing with this. I'm here. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. No, not till the end of the earth. But we're going to walk in it. And we're going to walk through it. Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I wish that scripture said, you will never walk through the valley of the shadow. That would have been nice. No, it doesn't say that. You will walk through the valley of the shadow. And there will be fear all around you, but you won't experience it. Because God will never disappoint you. I'm telling you, church, this is a time to really begin to just listen to some of these things that the Spirit of God is trying to get across to us. And I don't know, the psalm just kind of hits, maybe somebody is hitting really personal right now, maybe online, but I just want to say this word, and I'm going to ask you to stand up. Don't give up. Stand to your feet. We, are not, we, we cannot afford to give up. We cannot afford, this is not the time to bend. This is not time to say, well, I guess we're done with this Christian experience. It was never an experience. It's a lifestyle. And before it's a church lifestyle, it's a personal lifestyle. Church is secondary. Listen to this. Church is secondary to your experience with God. In other words, church should enhance your relationship. It shouldn't be the point of relationship. And a lot of us, we say, this is a relationship. I go to church, I'm in a relationship with God. No, this here is to teach you about him. But the development of the relationship is completely up to you. And if you don't talk to him all week and you just kind of shut him down and wait till next Sunday, well, that's your level of relationship. I'm not saying that you're a bad person. I'm saying that's just the level of relationship. I want to walk in a level of relationship where I can really sound like the psalmist and say, I don't want to be impatient because, boy, there's some things I wish God would just fix t- today. Can I hear an amen? I don't want to be impatient. But I have to be brave and I have to be courageous because the courage is coming on knowing that he will not disappoint me. If I know that he doesn't disappoint me, I can be courageous. So here we are. And this is where the Lord told me we would, we would you know, we would um, pray this morning. And I wrote it just down. I, I wrote this down because I, I didn't want to miss what the Lord told me. He says, I put prayer, as I, in my notes, it says, for areas you know you're supposed to fight that you are tired or scared. That's what the Lord told me. So I'm going to repeat it. If you're here this morning, and I'm reading just like I got it, and you are in a place in your life where there are areas in your life where you know that you know you're supposed to fight this, that you are tired or scared, that's you this morning, the Lord's going to infuse you with his spirit and bring that courage that you need. So if that's you, I want you just to raise one hand to heaven. And I, I want to take this serious. You know, this is something, I, I felt the, the seriousness last night when the Lord gave me this, this idea for the prayer. I'll read it one more time. It, it is a specific. Are there areas in your life, or let me reword it, that you know you're supposed to still fight? In other words, you've given up. You said, I've done all my fighting I can do. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I can't fight another day. Well, the Lord says, good. 
because you've been fighting it on your own strength, and today you will fight it in history. It's good to feel tired. It's good to feel given up because that, that, that tiredness comes from your strength, not his. His strength will never drain you. So this morning, let's pray. I'm praying for myself. i got areas in my life where I'm supposed to keep fighting and keep standing. And sometimes it gets tired. Father, we just thank you this morning. That if we can, if we come to church and just leave the same way we came, what was the point? I think about people driving all the way from Laredo just to come to the house of God and going back. To, that's not, that, that that's not, would not even be right in any level. Or for any of us to take time of our day and, and dedicate all these hours in our leadership and the band and all that goes into, into the production of one Sunday morning service, God. And for us to not understand what this was about would be such a shame. So, Father, I ask by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the word that you gave me last night for every person in this, in this house that has given up on a dream, that has fought to their last strength, to has fought to the last tear. And they just said, I can't do this no more. But deep down in their knower, they know that they're not supposed to give up. Deep down, Holy Spirit, you've spoken to them to say, no, no, you don't give up on these kids. You don't give up on your marriage. You don't give up on your future. You don't give up on your visions and dreams. You don't give up on that person. You know it inside, deep, you know it. And that's where the Holy Spirit's keeping right now. This is not a surprise to you. This prayer, this this moment is not even a surprise to you because as as the message was developing, you knew it was going to come to this point that God would deal with you at this point of reckoning to say, Lord, I can't do this anymore, but I will do it again with your courage. It's okay, church, to say, I can't do this. It's okay to say, I'm tired. It's okay to say, I don't have any strength left. But it's not okay to stay there. And this is where we are this morning. So lift up your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus. The hands up is just a sign of worship. It's not a magic wand to get courage. It's just a, it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign to say, Lord, I am done with this thing. I can't do it on my own, but I will do it in your strength. So Holy Spirit, stir up in every one of us this morning. Stir up in everyone watching online. The spirit of Joshua, Father, to take these things head on with very little instructions. Just meditate, focus, be strong, be courageous. Father, the same instructions you gave Joshua are the same instructions you are giving us today. That we only need to be strong and be courageous. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I believe some of you are being set free from the anxiety and the agony. Listen to me, I'm going by the Holy Spirit that comes with keep trying to fight and fight and fight where you have, there's no strength and you're still trying to fight it. That's why you're worn out emotionally and you're worn out spiritually. And the Lord's saying today, the battle belongs to the Lord. Let me help you. What about the dream belongs to the Lord? What about your family belongs to the Lord? Oh boy, this is good. What about you belong to the Lord? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's just, let's, let's just receive it. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much. What a word. We receive courage for life, courage for our spirit, and we will face everything with our eyes focused on heaven. 
I give you glory and praise for all these people. I pray for our online church. I pray for those that will listen to this in the future, God, that the anointing that's in this house, the spirit of the Lord that's in this house, will continue to heal us and keep us courageous to do the things, to do the impossibles, Lord. And I give you glory and praise this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Glory to God. Can you give the Lord a big, big, big God bless you? Thank you, Jesus. You may, you may be seated. God bless you. Well, you get something out of that? God is so good. Nobody else needed it, did I needed it? <laughs> Just need some spiritual vitamins sometimes. I bought a really bad energy drink this morning. I'll tell you what, this message was way better than that energy drink. <laughs> Glory to God. Just waiting to move into the next day. So I'll, I'll um, give you guys a couple updates. So Cuba uh, trip is officially on track. I got a meeting with Pastor Yoel, phone meeting this afternoon. And um, I already got, you know, one ticket, which is the Miami Havana. So it looks like we're moving forward. And I just wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about that. I had a good conversation with Pastor Dan yesterday. He said something, you know, he said it kind of apologetic. But I don't know why, because it, it, it says, he said, I don't want to, it's funny how Dan talks. He says, I don't want to, how do you say it? I forgot the phrase, but kind of like, I don't want to sound like I'm putting the church down. He said, but you guys are, you guys are missions church. And I said, well, that's not a put down. That's who we are. I, I guess he figured that was like, oh, no, we're, no, we are. And then he said this, he says, because I see the work that you did in Cuba. And then he said this, I see the work you did in Havernville. And I'm thinking, he said, in other words, this right here? Whatever, you know, whatever Faithway has done in this community over the last 20 years plus was because it was a mission. That's it. There was no, you know, because really mission is some guy shows up someplace and starts a church, right? Well, that was that, me was that guy. I showed up here and started a church with no I, other ideas because most people, trust me, in my management head, I wanted to start a church, but in like San Antonio where there's people and there's people with money because you get more done. And God said, no, you go here. <laughs> Amen. And I, and I began to think about it. And, and really, here's where I'm going. If Faithway is part of, of you, you know, you associate with the church in a way that you see this as part of your life. Not as, oh, I go to church on Sunday. And not in a weird cultic way, because that's not who we are, please. If anything, I'm always pushing against any ideas like that. Nobody should be following without their own conscience in control. Does that make sense? Because, you know, when, when you get in a cult, they, they program you. That, that's not who we are. But at the same time, you know, if faith way is something that you look at as like part of your life, meaning not, not that you have to be here every Sunday, but it's part of your life. In other words, your kids are being raised. Your, your value system is being formed by the things that, that are being taught here. You know, when your marriage is in trouble, you come to counseling here. When your kids are in trouble, you get afraid, you know, that kind of thing. Well, when you understand that, then you say, well, what is Faithway? Well, Faithway is, is, an, is a church. No, the organization sounds so cold. But it's a body of believers that God has called to go to really hard places. <laughs> you, know, you know, from Ukraine to all the other places we've been. Navajo Nation. Hard not meaning to get there, but, but it's not easy ministry. You know, it, it'd be really nice if, if all my invites were like to go to preach at Stephen Furtick's church and Craig Rochelle and Brian. Now, that would be awesome, but that's not who we are. We, you know, God said, yeah, that's not you. You go to the 
third world. Thank you, Lord. I'll, I accept my calling, right? So when you understand that, then you watch this. You understand that responsibility. That's, all I, that's where I'm going with this. Faithway is a mission church, meaning our vision is part of going to places where they need the gospel. Now, Cuba is not without the gospel, but Cuba is without everything else. And that's where we come in. Now, a lot of advances have, have come up on Cuba. I know we're, we're going to prepare a video for that I'm going to present in New York at the end of the month at Faith Exchange. But I want to show it here first in, in a few weeks or, or after. But a lot of us, you know, don't realize it wasn't Pastor Box that did anything. You know, there's no Pastor Box without Faithway. Can I hear an amen? You know, because at the end of the day, you guys are paying for a lot of the stuff that we do. Yeah, I could do it on my own. You know, I'm not saying, but, but Faithway is a team. And a team is joined up on a vision. We have a vision for Heavenville. And hopefully we're maintaining it. And trust me, COVID tried to wipe... It wiped, it wiped a lot of churches off the map, and it really tried to wipe this one off, but we survived it, okay? So we're restructuring, we're rebuilding, we're, there's excitement about stuff that's happening even this year. So we're not abandoning our, 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 our location, you know, we still want to do everything we need to do here and reach to kids and so forth, junior high building, all this stuff. But don't forget that our one of our foundational callings is to go ye, go to other places. The reason I'm telling you is this because I want you to, you know, really pray about how you support these things. Um, you know, we are blessed that, you know, faith exchange is obviously, you got a church in Manhattan versus a church in heaven. Isn't God hilarious? That, how, why would he join a church in heaven but with a church in Manhattan? Only God can do something like that. It's just crazy to think about it. So they are in a, a better position to, to support things, but we are partners with them. And meaning we do things together and we bought the farm together and we put the air conditioning system together. And, you know, and here we are, and now we have this conference, and we're doing it together. So, again, I want you, you know, to look into your heart. This is not a pitch to get more money. With or without your support, this is going to happen. What I'm saying is get in on it and help us do what God has called us to do. Because when you support something like the work in Cuba, you're not giving money to Pastor Box. You're supporting what Faithway does. You know, I have so many things, and you know, there was a time in my life, trust me, age probably remembers, years and years and years ago when, when nobody even knew that we were around. If somebody told me, hey, you're going to go preach in New York City, that would have been like, oh. This trip, I'm excited. I, I'm thankful for the invite. I appreciate Dan so much. But I got so many stuff going on in my house that it's like one of those trips that I will do it, Lord, because I need to do it. And I'll do it out of obedience. But there is no, eee, let's go to Cuba. I already went to Cuba this year. You know, trust me, once a year is enough. Once a year is more than enough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but we do it because we love, we know God called us to that nation. We love the people. You know, they are family. So, said all that. You know, I do my part. And you maybe think it's, it's exciting and glamorous. It is, not, it, is, it is in a way, but it's not what you think it is. <laughs> you know, oh, I just... You know, traveled, yeah, until <laughs> you're there and you're eating weird food and it's hot and you're like, oh, I, just want a, I just want a toilet seat. <laughs> and paper would be nice. Or like, remember the one in Mexico, you, you, you go to these public bath, bathrooms, so you got to pay three, like five pesos to go in to a public bathroom and you pay the five pesos and they give you three little squares. You need to have courage. At that point. <laughs> oh, I tend to get out. <laughs> if you needed more paper, <laughs> it was prime. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked. So again, do what you need to do. Cuba, we're about three weeks away. 
our budget was 11,000 total budget, you know, faith exchange, of course. They're, you know, they're covering a lot of it and so forth. But we don't want to be, you know, this is who we are. If you believe what we do in Cuba is significant, give significantly towards that. You know, it doesn't have to be today. But we got three weeks. The other thing I'm going to throw out there, we, we will, um, again, I'm going to try to take, as we always do, medicines and all that kind of stuff. So, we'll, you know, we got a few weeks. If you're shopping out and about and you can pick up a little extra aspirins, cough syrup, not, not really big, heavy things because, you know, we are subject to weight. So you, more than liquid, usually pills are, are lighter and you can carry more, you know, vitamins, aspirin. So anything, anything you find is good. You know, you go dollar, it doesn't have to be name brand, you know, just anything that you have in your medicine cabinet, buy it extra and, and you know, help us. So we're, we want to take at least 100 pounds of, you know, support. You know, little things like children's underwear in package. You know, make sure it's packaged, not open. Um, anything for kids, desperate need for all. All kids' stuff is, is needed. Obviously, we can't take diapers because it's just so big. But, you know, kids' medicine, kids' Tylenol, kids' everything, all that stuff. So you guys can begin to do that, and we got about three weeks to them. Um, so you guys always have been really awesome about, um, you know, getting all this stuff. Another thing that that they use a lot, and, and it also helps them a little bit. If you have old um, SIM card cell phones that you don't use anymore, and they work, obviously, don't, <laughs> don't give me something that doesn't work. You know, sometimes people have old phones that, you know, they upgraded, whatever, but their SIM card, in other words, you can change the SIM out, those, they, they have a lot of use for that in Cuba. So stuff like that that you have, you know, I'm trying to think what other thing, you know, if you have any, I know these are big items, most people don't have laptops laying around, but they use, you know, all those, all those things are prime, prime needs for the church in Cuba. So, you know, the same things we always buy, the medicines, all that stuff, you guys can help us with that. And, of course, for your support, and I also want to invite our online churches, if you're watching, you know, um, join up. You know, you guys are part of the church just like anybody else, and um, we need all the help we can get. You know, church is a very different system, and most of you understand it, but I want you to think about church versus the wor- a, a world business. A world business sells a product. You know, Stripe sells whatever they sell. Money comes in. They pay their employees. They pay their bills. Church is completely different. We don't have that. All, everything. And, and by the way, we don't, have, we don't have any organization in case you, you think we do. I'm letting you know we don't. You know, some people are associated with big, massive. So, like if we were associated with a Baptist church, we, we could potentially having support or even assemblies of God. We're not. We are completely independent. So everything that happens is in-house. So when we need to pay the bill... For the electricity, we're not selling products. Where does the money come from? From us, you know. When we everything we do, so it's it's different than a commerce. So when you don't give, or you say, "Well, I can't give," or whatever, we don't have that, right? We lose. If you could say, we lose that sales. In other words, we lose the resources, and everything runs that way. So thank God, we keep the lights on, and we do a lot of things. But trust me, for the last eight months, and you can ask Kathy and other people to do the. the it's stretch. You know, we, we do every we get everything done, but we get it done with very little money. And what I'm saying is take care of your church and take care of the vision of the church. Because by taking care of church, the vision of the church and taking care of the church, guess what happens? God takes care of your vision. The little word, I need to shut up. The little word the Lord told me many, many years ago. Apparently, he didn't just tell me. He tells a lot of people. I was in Miranda City when I, and I heard it. And then I heard it from a lot of other people. He said, if you build my house... I will build yours. That was a little word. And then over the years, I heard a lot of preachers say that. I said, well, I guess that's a word he tells everybody. But you know what? I believe that's a word for everybody. If you build his house, 
you'll go next. Stand to your feet, and we will go home and watch the Cowboys win again. Oh, there's another announcement. I'm supposed to check my text messages? I thought you weren't supposed to do that in church. Catherine says she quit. Oh, no. Announce, please, happy birthday to who? Oh, yes, of course. H.H., happy birthday. And we have cupcakes in the foyer, so please stick around and celebrate with us. How old? 54, the old thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, happy birthday, H. Let's pray. Father, we just give you glory and praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.